0: Hey everybody, you're listening to the Any Schoolers podcast. More people than ever are exploring homeschooling and we are changing the face of who and what other people think about homeschooling and what homeschooling actually is. Today we are going to start a series on the four D's, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia. So, we're going to be working in these four episodes with Letty Glenn. Letty is a special education specialist who owns Fresh Thinking Special Education Advisors in Kansas City, Missouri. We're a bunch of unsocialized heathens who wear our pajamas to school. Letty, thank you for joining us. My
1: pleasure. Thank
0: you. Let's start with talking about how you got where you are. How did you start your business? Okay, how long do we
1: have? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let me first, since we're talking about dyslexia today, let me first go way back um, and share a little bit about my dyslexia journey. So I am an adult with dyslexia. I was diagnosed with it when I was in second grade. So it is something that uh, I have struggled with my whole life. And one of my main charges right now is I've always been um, ashamed and afraid that someone might find out my evil secret of being dyslexic. You know what? It's actually a super excellent thing because my brain is wired differently. So I can think of situations and problems in a different way than other people. So it's I't I'm trying to I'm changing my mindset from deficits to strengths because there are so many strengths for people who are um, neurologically different. So with dyslexia, it impairs reading. So it's, uh, the, the child, the adult might have struggles with reading comprehension, reading fluency, pronouncing. Uh, so it impairs the uh, comprehension aspect of reading.
0: Would it have been picked up when we were younger? Because I think like a lot of my peers and in my practice, a a lot of stuff pops up with adult clients that I have that are, they're not aware of how much they're struggling or that that's not normal. And so I do a lot of adult ADHD diagnosing, but I wonder about like, how did you end up getting the diagnosis in second grade those years ago when we were kids?
1: Right, and I was in the school... Uh, in elementary school in the 80s. So there was a little known to it. I was just a poor, I was a poor reader, not a great student. I was told you're not going to make it in college. It was just um, not as well known or supported as it is now. So thankfully, my uh, second grade teacher noticed my struggle in pronouncing words. I also had twin language, so I had a speech impediment. But I was also having a hard time spelling, sounding words out and comprehending what I was reading. So my teacher approached my parents and my parents had me privately diagnosed. And the benefit to the private diagnoses for dyslexia is that you can be diagnosed with dyslexia. Schools will not diagnose a student with dyslexia or dysgraphia or just all of the disses. They would say the student is labeled as learning disabled. So to get that, dyslexia recognition, you have to go somewhere specific. So I would suggest if you're worried about or considered or want to learn more about getting your child tested, you can go to your general practitioner doctor and they can give you a list of referrals or um, you could reach out to me or the inter- any schoolers group and we can get you a list. Uh, I recently, my son was recently tested and we went to a, a speech pathologist here in Kansas City who was able to do the testing and diagnosing. So there's there's a lot of different places out there, but schools will not diagnose dyslexia.
0: Okay. So that right there is one of the important things is that your teacher approached your parents. So in a homeschooling mm-hmm. setting, there's no teacher to, the, to approach the parents. So let's talk about what parents can look for in their kids I mean, how do you tell the difference between a kid that just doesn't want to read right now and might not start for another year and a kid that is resistant to reading because there's a problem with it and they feel ashamed?
1: And that is, I'm glad you brought that up because it's interesting because reading is not something naturally that our brain does. We have to be taught how to read and we don't all pick up and ready to start reading at the same time. So a lot of the traditional schools are really pushing, we need to start reading in kindergarten and kindergarten. A lot of kindergartners aren't ready to read yet. Um, so one thing to look for is, are they having a hard time telling the difference between sounds, sounds of words, sounds of letters? Are they having a hard time saying the alphabet? That could be another red flag. Difficulty spelling, really not able to sound the words out. Uh, For instance, when I spell, and we all know it's not a spelled correctly word, I will always say, sound it out phonetically, and you can probably figure it out (laughs) because it'll be more phonetic spelling than the true spelling. Uh, They might be reading super slow or have a lot of pauses in their reading. And with that, if someone is reading slow and really focusing on every single word, their comprehension is going to suffer. So they're not able to really truly understand what they're reading because they're more focusing on the words themselves. Uh, Sounding outwards, if there's a struggle with that, that's a red flag as well. Uh, Short attention span. So it's uh, not uncommon that someone with dyslexia might also have ADD or ADHD. Um, Mm -hmm. And just even if they don't have those, dyslexia could also have a shorter attention span. Uh, Difficulty following directions. And this is an important one because so often as adults, we start listing off, go clean your room, pick up the clothes, get the dirty dishes, uh, <laughs> you know, get everything off the floor, give any directions. We need to do one, maybe two at a time. Uh, and that will help them be more successful in completing the task that you want them to do. But this also works when you're trying to educate your child because Give them one thing at a time to do. Don't say, this is everything we're doing today. Let's limit it and just look at this so we don't become overwhelmed or lost in all of the information.
0: Is that like if you're giving verbal instructions, not just written instructions? Because I think a lot of people think that dyslexia is only about the written word. But are you saying that dyslexia is about
1: both verbal and written word? You know, it is about written words, but yes, it can also infect the verbal because you're trying to process what you're hearing. So processing time might be a struggle as well. Um, For instance, there are days that my ability to recall words or what I've learned the day before is a big struggle. It doesn't happen as fast as it does on other days. So when you're looking at your child and you, they got this, um, They understood the concept that we were trying to work on yesterday. It was great, they got it. Today, it's like we never talked about it. And that is part of the recall. It doesn't mean that they didn't learn it, they're just having a hard time getting the information uh, in their brain. So that's why the limiting the steps is important because it doesn't get all lost in everything else that they're thinking about.
0: So, what exactly does a treatment process look like for dyslexia? I mean, like, what are parents signing up for when they go for a learning disorder assessment? I mean, are they, are they, are they also going to then have to shell out more cash for additional treatments and what is it what exactly does that look like kind of like when you go to the orthodontist you don't know what you're you don't know how much this investment is right not that they right. shouldn't have them don't no, not not that they shouldn't have them assessed but <laughs> but like what does this look like what does treatment actually look like is it insurance is it covered by
1: insurance So I can speak to the testing that I recently had done for my son, as far as insurance and covered and not covered. Uh, The only part of the testing that was covered was the part specifically on speech, forming the words, saying the words. The reading part, the comprehension part of the assessment was not covered by insurance. The test that my son had, and this is standard, is it was about four hours that he was in being tested good chunk. And it's all at one time. So thinking of a child that might have a short attention span or might get exhausted, four hours is a long time. And uh, when I talked to the person who was doing the testing, uh, my son was upside down, (laughs) walking around, (laughs) (laughs) he was doing whatever he needed to do. (laughs) But the point was, is we did it. And that's the important part also for educators as well as homeschoolers is and educating doesn't have to look one way. We don't have to be sitting at a desk listening, staring, uh memorizing everything, because not everybody's brains work that way. So it's yeah. helpful to have the flexible seating or to allow somebody to get up and walk around or to have a fidget to draw, all of those things because it can help uh, trigger memorization in the brain. So for example, my son, he uh he needs to move around a lot. So As long as he can answer the questions that I'm uh, giving him and he's moving around, I'm okay with it. So there are some days that I might ask one question and he'll take a lap in the backyard, come back, answer it, ask another question, take another lap, but he's answering them correctly. So the important thing that I want everyone to remember when they're working with educating kids is I want them to think about what is the the real true purpose of the task. What's the assignment? What are you trying to get out? What are you wanting them to learn? So you don't have to assess them all the same way of written test or essay or multiple choice. It could be done, you could uh, test learning in other ways that could be more appropriate for their learning style. So it might be a verbal conversation. It might be draw this concept out. Um, It might be that, They just need to um, have dictation devices, so able to speak and have it be typed, Um, which we are in the time of magic. And there are so many supports that your computer and phone just can do. Uh, And dictation is one of them. It has been a, a real support. When I was in school, I had a calculator and a spell checker, always in hand, because we didn't have our phones or computers or anything like that. And the the struggle with the spell check or the dictionary is if you can't sound a word out, you can't get close enough to find the correct spelling. So, so... Oh, so often in my life, oh, so time-consuming to too. That too, and uh-huh. frustrating and defeating. And then I end up changing what I want to say, to something that's easier to spell, so it doesn't. It's not like my true mm-hmm. voice because my vocabulary. It's not what you really is- wanted to
0: say. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Letty, the
0: the interesting thing that I'm thinking is um, maybe that either people go um, into homeschooling because the school system is not working for their their child's needs, or in the homeschool setting, they get frustrated and then they put them back in school. So what do you see more of or, or what are sort of the trends that you think homeschoolers need support or encouragement for either way? Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't have numbers um, if there's a great um, migration to homeschooling because of dyslexia. But for my journey, it's been really helpful for my child because when he was in Uh, regular education brick and mortar school. The focus was more behaviorally of getting him to sit down, getting him to do X, Y, and Z, instead of getting more of the basis knowledge and figuring out why his behaviors are what they are. Uh, So I was able to uh, homeschool him so I can meet those needs And figure out how can I present information specifically to how he learned, which is a great benefit because I'm not speaking to the masses, 30 kids in a classroom, trying to fit each and every single person's needs. I'm talking specifically to my child. And also with all of the programs you need to help support your child, it's, I'm going to be honest, it's easier when you're homeschool because you could work your schedule around all the appointments as well. Because oh, that's a good point. tutoring that needs to happen. Um, maybe there's speech pathology lessons. Yes, exactly. Uh, so that's a perk as well. And you can count some of those, uh, like his like reading tutorial. You can count that. That's schooling right there instead of being extra on top of. Um, so there are a lot of perks for children with disabilities for homeschooling um, because it can meet the child's needs so specifically, um, but also the parent can really match what the student's needing. Um, So, and a lot of times with dyslexia, it is more genetic. So it's not uncommon that if you have a child with dyslexia, there's going to be a family member who also have a parent,
0: you know. a, a, mm-hmm. probably something
1: yeah, hereditary. Mm-hmm. I know that
0: parents can get really anxious with a lot of movement. You know the kids' not listening to me um messages because there's not eye contact and there there's not body posture that faces them. What coaching do you have for parents around the movement piece?
1: If they're not giving eye contact or if they're not sitting still the way that you want them to sit, Ask some comprehension questions of what the topic is, and if they're able to answer it, who cares? Take a breath yourself mm. and do what you need to do, <laughs> because you just know walk what, you're <laughs> raising your kid, right? Exactly. But it's again, it goes back to thinking about what do I want my child to actually learn in this situation? Do they need to learn this just by sitting, or can they learn it by moving around? And sometimes you have to get over yourself and realize, you know what, this is what's best. For the kid that's in front of me on this day, at this moment, in this lesson,
0: I think she just told parents to get over themselves.
1: I did. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
0: What about you? (laughs) Yeah. about you so like put the anxiety in the back of your in the back of your mind push push it back I guess this this is the therapist in me saying okay take that part of you and separate it and put it in the back and have that have that part of that of the parent sit in the back of of your mind let's say it's mom have have mom separate that and put it in the back of your mind and put that part of your brain in a comfy chair with a cup of tea you know you could actually do it but you could just picture yourself in a in a comfy chair with a cup of tea, that anxious part of you, and then bring forward the part of you that has to be present with your child in order to get this job done. And even if that means movement, so put the part of you that's needing something back for later and deal with her later, her if she's mom.
1: And we are taught because traditional school with so many kids, you got to sit, you got to stop talking and you got to listen not always how our bodies are built.
0: Okay, so Letty, thank you so much for joining us for the for the first section of the four D's. We'll have you back next time for this praxia. You have a great day. And thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next time. Thank you. This podcast is produced by anyscores.com.